The following is Robin Riley's conversation with Kathy Bursky of the Connecticut County Public Health. It's all right here on KBEK's On Demand. And you're listening to Nice 95.5. Good morning, Robin Riley with you. And Kathy Bursky is with me on the phone this morning from Canaba County Public Health. She is the director there. Kathy, can you hear me okay? I can. Perfect deal. And I so appreciate you doing this on a Monday morning. You have a really full plate these days. And I just so appreciate you taking time to, to talk to us today, Kathy. First, could you, for somebody who's maybe not as familiar, how long have you worked in Canaba County, dear? Well, I've worked um, at Canadian County Community Health for about 15 years now. I knew it had been for a, a little while anyway. I remember you being, well, you and I had chatted a bunch of years ago the first time around with KBK. So <laughs> we're getting caught up kind of like old home week here. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that. So, Kathy, let's talk about the case numbers, what's been happening specifically in Canadian County with the COVID numbers. Sure. Um, for people who don't know that where they can go to look at the numbers, we do update them on our Connecticut County website at www.connecticountcounty.org, and then there's a link to the 2019 novel coronavirus, and that's what we call the dashboard, and we update that Monday through Friday. So even from Friday's numbers, we've added 53 over kind of Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and our current total is 529. I'm always asked how many of those are currently infectious, and it is about 6970 of those are currently infectious. And, they- and you can assume for every infectious case, there's two to three people who have been placed in isolate or in quarantine because of that infection. So it's affecting a you know, a lot larger number than what that shows. Sure, sure. And I know, too, that these numbers go back to March or whenever the, all this started being tabulated. So it's, it's. I don't want to say it can be confusing, but if somebody didn't stop and really think about it, they think, oh, is all that happening right now? A lot of this is just tracking uh, across the board, but the numbers have definitely been going up. Hospitalizations, can you tell us where things are at there? Yeah, I'm just going to hit on your first point. Our first oh, case sure. was April 24th, too. And, and yeah, it took us 100 days or uh, 144 days to get our first 100 cases. And mm. it has gone, risen exponentially since then. To get to 200, it was an additional 35 days. To get to another 100, it was only 15 days. To get to our fourth 100, it was six days. We slowed down just an itty bit to get to 500, which we are now over, and that took us about a week, but all numbers aren't in yet. Um, hospitalizations, has it's been 10% of those in Connecticut County. Uh, we've had 56, and the youngest was 3, and the oldest was 93, with an average age of 69. Hmm. 16 of those required ICU care, and that average age range, or that age range, was 30 to 88, and it's an average age of 67. And unfortunately, 11 of our community members have died. Um, age range of 52 to 94, and average of 82. So they're they're older, but they are our neighbors and family members. Oh, no doubt about it. And Kathy, I don't know if you'll know this piece of it or not. So if I'm stepping into a category, just say I don't know. But are you finding 
symptom-wise? Are the majority of people getting sick? What are you seeing in Connecticut County anyway as far as the symptoms go? Is it mainly breathing issues? Because I've heard there's so many different, you know, symptoms really that come with COVID. Yeah, they they run the gamut um, very closely mimicking flu, but it's different than your seasonal flu. The body aches, um, difficulty breathing. That's usually when if they can't manage at home and they are going into the hospital, it's typically because of shortness of breath and their oxygen levels are, are dropping. So they need to go get supplemental oxygen. If they do come out of the hospital, often they are on that supplemental oxygen at home for a period of time and everybody differs. Not everybody gets a fever, not everybody gets a cough. They are really different. We've even seen the gastrointestinal um, diarrhea type symptoms, typically more so in children. Hmm. Okay. Um, so they do vary. And it's it's just hard to hard to know, and and it's one of those things you could have seasonal allergies, and and I know I deal with that myself. I've had that same time every year. It just comes in usually October, November, and here we are. But when you have these situations with COVID, immediately you're you know you think, oh my gosh, is it something else? And it's it's very it's a very difficult time in in the healthcare industry to try to help people and to know what to do in that regard. Absolutely, and we try to tell people to err on the side of caution. Of course, you know yourself the best, and mm-hmm. you know, okay, this is typical, right? But and and you need to really be thinking, okay, is it typical or is it a little bit different than my normal seasonal allergies? And if you take your normal seasonal allergy medications, does it take care of it or not? Mm-hmm. Um, but we do ask people err on the side of caution just because you can't be sure. Right, right, that's just it. And you hear so many things. You know, I don't care what size the community is, you hear a lot of different things, and you don't always know, I hate to say it, what to believe. So what would you tell us, Kathy, as far as, like, one of the things I hear all the time is, well, they're testing a lot more, so of course the numbers are higher. What would you say to people when they say that? Well, the rate of the, po- the positivity rate is going up much quicker and higher at a faster rate than our increase in the rate of testing. So we know that there is just a greater number of cases out there. Um, so that, that doesn't go. And actually, if, if there wasn't a problem out there, the larger amount of testing should drop that positivity rate because more people would be testing negative. So that one really doesn't fly, and there is so much misinformation out. So I just ask that people really look at reputable sources and and check, do some fact-checking. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I tend to trust the science, and I uh, my sources are more CDC and science-based, and I want to remind people that science is a process. This is a, a new virus. We haven't seen it before. We need to study it. We observe it. We measure. We experiment. We test. We have a hypothesis that may or may not be true. So as in true science, that hypothesis will become a new one, and you start that process all over again. So some of the information people may have heard at the beginning has changed because we know more, and Mm -hmm. that's just what science is all about. Yeah, it's such a learning process across the board. I mean, really, the scientists know what they know, but this is a brand new, very unusual 
nothing that anybody could ever imagine would come across like this. And so they're dealing with it in real time, doing what they can to help as much as possible. There's been, it sounds like medications have, have, they've tried different things and some has helped more than others. And so they're learning in that regard too. And then there's the whole vaccine thing that, that we are hearing some good things about too, Kathy. Absolutely. And I'm looking forward to that day because that is the light at the end of the tunnel. Not, it's going to take a while yet. This mm-hmm. is not, you know, obviously going to be the be all end all. Um, but it is certainly a step in the right direction. The vaccine will trickle out, they say, and be targeted at, at those who need it most, um, the high-risk groups, the health care providers, those caring for our elderly. And then they say, you know, within, you know, probably six months, it'll be coming at us with kind of a fire hose. <laughs> we'll be mm-hmm. trying to get it into the general population as much as possible. Um so that will be interesting. We're currently in the planning stages for that. You know, things have changed in Connecticut County. It used to be when I would talk to people, well, I've, I don't know anybody who's had it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, and that led to a lot of the misinformation is people didn't know. Well, we have gotten better at identifying it, and I'm, I think we'd be pretty hard-pressed right now to find anybody who doesn't know of somebody who's had it or even somebody who has had a serious case, been hospitalized, and maybe even died. Um, so, so the story has changed a bit. You know, it's it's our community members, it's our neighbors, it's our friends, it's our businesses that are affected because staff are out, um, and that includes the local hospital here too. Mm-hmm. Yes, I've heard they they've dealt with it themselves within the hospital, which is just naturally when you have a. A group of, uh, I think the hospital has close to 200 people that work there, the possibility of them having it, you know, there's going to be certain numbers that are going to be there too, and they're trying to deal with it as best they can. And that leads me to this question too. Can you explain a little bit, we have isolation and we have quarantine, and I know people have dealt with that that end up with a positive uh, identification of the disease. What's the difference there, Kathy? Isolation is when somebody is actually ill, so... I, I, isolation, ill. Okay. Quarantine is when people have come into contact with somebody who's ill. And those time frames are different. Actually, somebody who has a positive COVID test is placed into isolation for 10 days from their onset, onset of symptoms. If they didn't have symptoms, and, and there is, you know, one in five that typically don't have symptoms, they don't know they even have it unless they're tested then we go from the date of the test 10 days okay now anybody who's had contact close contact with that person would be placed into quarantine and that is for a period of 14 days from the last date of contact so if you're living in a household and you cannot separate yourself your quarantine period does not start until that the ill person's isolation period ends. So you could be home for 24 days. Wow, okay. So there is um, a- So it can be really confusing, and we encourage people to contact us if they need that described better. Every situation is just a little bit different. And when we're talking about testing, um, so what, what are you advising people to do? Okay, if you don't feel good, get tested, get it done just because you might want to see if you've had it before? Because the antibody testing is different, I understand, right, to find out if you've had it 
three months ago or something. Can you explain that a little bit, Kathy? Well, I could, uh, testing-wise, if you are ill, get tested. Okay. If you um, know that you've had an exposure, we ask that you wait five to seven days. That's when the viral load is typically large enough to show up on a test. Okay. So you don't want to, you know, have had contact and, and wait only one or two days because you might get a negative, but that's just a snapshot in time. And you can't test your way out of quarantine either. Okay. Um, it That's another thing people, well, if I got a negative test, yes, but you may not. You could become infectious and symptomatic any time between 2 and 14 days. So we do um, ask people to get tested if they're symptomatic or had a known contact with somebody with COVID. And um, antibody tests are still not quite as reliable, so you don't know. Okay. Um, but the testing that Wellia does here is is the nasal, and it's not the big deep brain tickler. It is mm-hmm. up just until they get resistance in the nose. And they have increased their testing capacity, people, and they're booking up um, every day. I think they uh, have been double booking. So make sure to call for an appointment, and they do curbside testing, so you don't even have to go in. They'll come to you. And I understand, too, that Colburn's as well, not trying to push a particular spot to go get this done, Kathy, but I understand that's another one where you can go somehow online, I guess, and put information in and then drive through to their pharmacy area, I believe. That's correct. So you do go to the Coburn's website and, you know, type in COVID testing, and it'll take you to a place to register. And then you drive through, and you actually swab yourself, and they witness it, you know, might tell you to put it up there farther or whatever, and then you give it back to them, and they send it to the lab. So that is also an option. Uh, The state has been opening up lots of different saliva testing options. There's St. Cloud, Duluth, Brooklyn Park. Um, So I just, people can go on the Department of Health website and just put in COVID testing and they can get a list of all the different testing sites. And I know people get concerned about cost too, Kathy. For the most part, no charge on these? The state of Minnesota is covering the cost if your insurance does not. If you are insured, they will bill your insurance. If for some reason insurance doesn't pay, they will not turn around and charge you for that, is my understanding. Okay. And I know you don't need to get into all that. You have have enough to do, enough hats that you're wearing right now, but I I just know that's always a concern people wonder about, you know, will my insurance be billed and what will it be? Because you hear various amounts what has been charged you know, in especially and, earlier, yeah. yeah, and it varies state to state um, as well. So, sure. and when people do get tested, if they are symptomatic or they have been in contact with somebody who has had it, they should stay home until they receive those test results. Okay, uh, that's the, the the best thing they can do is stay home until they get the results, and then if they're positive. We will contact them because we get we do the case investigation and contact tracing here in Connecticut County. We have trained staff that do that. They will call and just make sure you understand isolation and who your close contacts were, and we will help follow up with those close contacts to make sure that they stay home and aren't out spreading unknowingly. Sure, sure. So 
uh, um, we've been keeping pretty busy with doing those. And again, we always leave our staff's phone number because it's a lot of information, and should they have questions later, they can always call us back, and we'll, we'll certainly uh, answer those questions for them. Sure, and that, that would be my next thing. If someone is hearing you and I chatting this morning and they just want some general information, is it okay to call public health in Canaba County? Absolutely. Okay. And what's the best number there, Kathy? 320-679-6330. Perfect. And then I would certainly encourage, because I'd, I'd like to think our signal here certainly goes out uh, into greater Minnesota a little bit, and call your county health department, and they will help you specifically. Not that Kanabic wouldn't help somebody in Mille Lacs, but it just makes sense to follow through where you live. Correct. Yeah, makes sense. And and one last note here, Kathy, as we've got Thanksgiving right around the corner and the holidays in general, what would you say to our community to help keep everybody as safe as possible? Well, we've heard the governor say to make sure to just stay in your household group, and I know that's what I will be doing this Thanksgiving. I am going to personally protect my 92-year-old mother and my mother-in-law, and we won't be gathering together on Thanksgiving. It's really tough this year because my father-in-law passed away in March, and these first holidays without him are really hard on my Mm mother-in-law, but she understands that this is the best for everybody. So we are going to forego Thanksgiving in a large group and uh, hope that we can celebrate Thanksgiving 2021 back as large groups again. with the amount of community spread, there's a pretty good chance if you have a group of 10 gathering that there's going to be at least one person infectious. They may not have symptoms, but they're going to be infectious. So we um, are really encouraging either people not to gather in groups. Um, flu is among us, too. It hasn't quite picked up here yet, but typically this is the time it gets spread. I would recommend people get flu shots as well so that we're not overburdening our health systems with uh, people who have flu Flu, uh, in addition to COVID. You know, people are still going to have babies and have heart attacks and car accidents, and we really need to preserve those hospital beds for for people. Uh, Staying away from big groups, will hopefully allow the hospitals to recover, bring those hospitalizations down due to COVID, and, um, you know, have room for those normal things that happen in life. Absolutely. It is it is just such a, a tough road right now across the board to healthcare workers and folks like you, Kathy, that are doing the very best they can to get the information out and help out our community. We thank you for all your hard work and what you're doing there too, dear. Well, thank you. I am just going to preach one more time. People are tired of it, but wear a mask. Mm. It does work. Um, we've seen over and over that it's wear a mask, but you also have to be six feet, at least six feet apart. It's not either or, it's and. Yes. Wear a mask and social distance and don't gather in groups. Yep. And that's going to be the best way to get this c- controlled.
Yeah, we and, and again for our healthcare workers, for everybody across the board, we we have to think of others, you know. And I will actually borrow from Patty Miller, who uh, actually works for SAC Coalition, and she made a really good point. She said, you know, when we had a situation where there was flooding and terrible things going on in the area and, and things like that, disasters that come up, you know, our neighbors stepped up and they helped fill sandbags and they helped neighbors get things done. And I think if we just kind of turn our our uh, our light, if you will, onto that kind of a philosophy going forward with COVID. You know, let's be a community that comes together in, I've, you know what I mean by come together in dealing with yep. this by doing just what you said, wear the mask, stay so many feet apart. Uh, you know, just think of all those things and we will get to the other side of this, Kathy. I, and I want you to know that the door is open, please. If you have anything that comes up that you need to get the word out about, uh, you just give me a call and you and I'll chat again very soon. Sounds good, Robin. Thank you so much for your service as well. No problem, and you have a lovely Thanksgiving, dear. Thank you. You too. All right. You have been listening to a Q Media Group production.